Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ, and then to be sanctuary to each other, and express sanctuary to this city. And so, for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. We're trudging along verse by verse. We are in Mark 6 for our sermon, or our sermon series, Just Jesus. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so before we read, it's Mark 6 verses 1 through 13. We'd love someone to volunteer to read, but before we do that, I loved what Joni did last week. Just let's remember the context. What happened the last couple of times we were together? Can anyone remember? So Joni spoke last week, and then, then um, I think the last time we were in Mark, Tom spoke um, out of the first part of chapter 5. Can anyone remember what Tom spoke about two sessions ago? Legion. Legion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Pigs. Pigs? Yes. Um, and and how the people were terrified, terrified of Legion, but also terrified of Jesus casting them out. Yes. And then the, the demons were going to the pigs. Yes. So Jesus cast out demons into pigs, and that's awesome. Thank you. Can anyone remember like the main point that Tom kind of brought out from that? Yes, spiritual world is real. Opposition's real. We shouldn't be surprised. And in fact, because we in our Western culture don't give credence to evil, we're surprised when bad things actually happen. You know, it's like whoa. Um, you know, and, and it it's like well, it's like everything is supposed to be going well. What's that? you know, and we don't have a framework, and so it can it can um, move us off kilter. We don't expect it. We don't have a framework for it. Great, awesome job, Joni. Last week. At the end of chapter five, remember what happened? Jesus going to um, a man's house to save his daughter. Yes. A, um, a woman who I don't think uh, was named in the passage. Uh, yes. Clothes, yes. She was 12 years unclean and had a lot of shame and other things going on in her life. Uh, she was made clean. Yes. He publicly you know, uh, announced that she was clean to relieve some of that shame um, and then did go and raise the daughter. Yes, absolutely. So on his way to raise someone from the dead, uh, you know, basically, uh, someone else touched him. He healed that person. He's so eager to heal. Just someone who kind of reached out and touched him. It was like kind of at the end of the rope. So you get this picture of Jesus doing these huge miracles. Um, you know, he was in the crowds. He was, you know, everyone was touching him, but he felt one person. So, but he's moving. Just someone from the dead basically like you know he said he was just sleeping um but not really you know anyway like he just did all these miraculous things and he's 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 been busy in his ministry life with his disciples and uh now we pick up in mark six so i got an niv on the screen um would someone be willing to read it out verse one through thirteen dan the man let's go Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Hmm. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. Hmm. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Hmm. 
Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Awesome. Let me just pray over us and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your stories. We thank you that you speak to us and it's alive today. Your word is alive today. We just pray, would you speak to us? Would you open up our hearts that we would be changed, <laughs> that we would see your word in a different way, Jesus, um, and it would, it would bring life to us. Uh, yeah, we love you, Father. Amen. Awesome. So two different stories juxtaposed together. I'll be honest, when I read it, I was like, okay, there's two different sermons. <laughs> like, how do they go together? Uh, we'll get there. What did, you, what did you notice? The oddity of going back home. Oddity? You kind of doubted in your own hometown after yes. getting this mess of people around the area. Not yes. Yeah. And I feel like that feels a little, personally, that feels like counter to how I would feel going to my own hometown. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have friends and family and people that are like, excited to know like what's going on in your life and like oh like I'm so proud that you're you know doing xyz like it's so cool you've accomplished this or that like that'd be like personally like if i see my my friend's parents or something like yeah positive things yeah think about. so it's kind of interesting with jesus's experience would have been like not that yeah I, I don't know if that's oh it's totally relevant absolutely yeah imagine what it must have felt like i mean to go i mean he was preaching and I think in Luke it actually makes it sound like like in mid preach like he won the crowd over and then mid preach like there's a commotion and everyone started getting offended and it's like your own people like imagine like you know I remember the first time I pre- preached in front of my parents like that was so nerve-wracking like, I can't imagine like you know my own parents like having shame over me like they probably felt like proud and like wow, yeah it's so great to hear our son sharing this wisdom versus his experience being like so yeah especially when it says that what's this wisdom remarkable miracles and stuff. so they recognize that there's wisdom and yes yeah. miracles but for some reason they resent him for it rather than saying hey i'm with him you know? isn't that fascinating I guess, like, the humanity angle, I mean, if you, you know, you're married or you live with friends, it's like you kind of know... I don't know, obviously Jesus is perfect, so... But still, like, they've seen this person up close and personal, like, for his whole, for 30 years. So, I can kind of see, like, the humanity of, like the incarnation of Jesus yeah. being human yeah. and being on earth. Like they've seen him before he was set. Because at this point, has he said he's the Son of God? That's a good question. Or is he just... I was just going to ask the same kind of question. Yeah. I don't know much about his childhood. Like, do these people not know, or have they not seen him kind of transform? I don't, I don't know. I can't remember whether he's sort of actually revealed that yet. So at least in the crowds. I, don't, I, yeah. I would assume... He has, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's spoken parables and stuff, so yeah. it may not have been obvious to Yeah. I mean, I, su- I don't know. This is an assumption, but I assume, like, if you go to Luke's account where it's, like, mid-sermon, I would imagine, like, in my head as I was playing that, like, what? Like, he probably got there yeah. in the sermon, or, like, in the, and it was like, wait a second. You're not just the cool, like, guy that's doing all these amazing miracles. Like, what you're saying is offensive like you're yeah we know you like you're yeah. Just, yeah but that's just yeah. i don't know that i don't know that the text actually says that but that's my yeah i think it's always much more hard with like people we 
Yeah. I mean, we've seen them grow up. We've, I don't know, like to be led by them. I think that takes you have to really earn people's trust. Yeah. Familiarity. And is the message included what is mentioned later that people should repent? That might be hard for your yeah. neighbors to hear. Yeah. Or your older brother. <laughs> yes. Would would his like age have been like That's in true. in just Jewish hierarchy? Like he would have been like kind of too young or too inexperienced to be like in a position of speaking along those lines too. That is a good question. I don't know entirely. I do think it was common at age 30 in the rabbi world. I don't know this off the top of my head, but I think I've remembered studying that to like age 30 is when you got like can become a rabbi, like if that makes sense. So I, but I, he didn't study under. He did not study so under. So that in that way would be, yeah, like where do you get, you get yeah, exactly. someone, where is this coming from? Yeah, exactly. Why should we trust you probably also like, you didn't study under one of these rabbis. Yes. You know and trust. You're just saying these things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. People at home probably know that better than anyone. They think, you know, that the complex of like human knowledge, when you feel like you have enough knowledge to judge the situation, yeah. Probably like, we know you, like this, you, like, yeah. Donuts, donuts, donuts. But it's, it's like a word that it's like means distrust. And yeah. Not, but yeah, you don't have credibility with. That. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That just, the, I think the word is scandalizia or something, but it's like basically the word we get scandalized. Like there's an, an offense, but scandal is like, there's even a more edge to it. It's like, a, it is offensive. It's like, you know. He just got canceled. He got it went viral, you know. Like he's, there's a scandal. It's the talk of the town. So yeah, you Billy, you're about to say. I guess I was thinking about how he couldn't, he could do no miracles, and it seems to be connected Ooh. to this, like they think they know who he is type of thing. And I was thinking about my own life, and then I was I zoomed out and I was thinking about like the West, maybe in general. I don't want to like it could be on shaky ground, so keep me honest, but like. <laughs> I'll start with my own life, like growing up in the church, in a Baptist church from the time I was born. It's like you, it's like, oh yeah, I, I know who Jesus is. Like, I know who that guy is. Like, I've been, I've known him my whole life, you know? Yeah. And and yet, and maybe in the West, there's something of that too, where like maybe, and I've got a limb here, I don't want to like throw the whole West into a bucket and like, you know, overgeneralize. But maybe there's something of like, yeah, we've all, you know, the West is kind of like, you know, very Christianized or has historically been. And we think we like have this God and we know. We, but yet then we hear the stories about like all the miracles happen in like Asia and China and this and that. Because I wonder if like, oh, we think we know. He's like, you don't actually know who Jesus is. Like, do you really know who Jesus is? Like he's, is it, he, he's like in this claim, like, yeah, I'm the son of God. Like I'm, you know, and I guess. I don't know that I have a point. I'm, I'm going to stop talking there. Like, I could probably say more, but, like, it was just something I was pondering. I was like, because mm-hmm. oh. I do see that in my own life. I'll definitely say that, that, like, mm. I have to wrestle with, like, the religiosity that I was steeped in growing up and now almost, like, getting to know him, continually getting to know him more and more even these days, you know? Yeah. In a new way. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And then something that stuck out that I have like the message version of. Um, he says, like at the end of the passage, um, he wasn't able to do much of anything there. He yeah. laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. Yeah. So like, it, has he ever healed someone that didn't like ask for it or didn't have faith at least? Because I, I didn't hear Joni's um, message from last week, but like that woman had so much faith. Like, yes. She just like just to grab his cloak and like he didn't even mean kind of to do it It just like because she had so much faith that like came through him um that if you're not even asking for or like looking for those miracles like he's not gonna yeah in that way and if they are so stubborn and like turning their face from him like no he's not gonna be able to perform or not 
He wouldn't be able to, but he's not going to choose to. Yes. So I don't know, like, has he ever, do we even know of miracles that he would have done that weren't actually asked for by someone, or if someone had to have the faith to want it? Yeah. Um, I think of maybe, like, the Ammonites or people that weren't, they just encountered him, they encountered his presence. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely agree with, I think that there's a stubbornness, but I wonder if it's, like, an over-familiarity with him that, like, mm-hmm. you know, even, like, wanting to believe who he is, who he said he was. Hmm. Yeah. It's good. It is interesting, though, if you go back and read the five, I mean, both in both cases, um, I mean, with the woman who had the condition, the bleeding condition, he said, your faith has healed you. And then um, it, was, it was Jairus, right? I mean, it, he talked about his faith. Um, he saw his faith. I don't know, there is some connection between like responding to faith, um, that's mm-hmm. I think a bit mysterious. I don't think we can yeah. draw a hard and fast one-to-one principle, but mm-hmm. there is some connection there. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Well, good. This is amazing. This is really good. Um, it's fascinating that first story has just a lot. I mean, you can imagine just even in Jesus's humanity, what it must have felt like to go to your hometown. I think as you were sharing and like be rejected. Like, to, to not be accepted. This isn't meant to be, uh, like, vacation. He brought his disciples with him. He was still on his missionary journey, like, doing ministry. So he brought his disciples along to see it. And then to see him get rejected. I mean, f- forget that he's God for a second and just focus on his humanity. Like, wow. Like, if your own... Like, if I got done with this sermon and Kelsey was like, man... You know, like if she had shame and scorn towards me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like that would hurt. That would devastate me. Right. Like, can you imagine the closest people to that knew him the best like that have having that response? Um, so today I'm going to focus on rejection. Uh, <laughs> the title of my message, Jesus gets rejected and you can too. <laughs> Uh, that's my secret sensitive uh, three steps to a successful life. Three steps to be rejected. Uh, welcome to Sanctuary Church. Um, I think, though, I think this is actually is super relevant, though. I mean, even in the last five or so years in our culture at large, I think we've had a huge shift where more and more, you know, typically we've been kind of a performance based culture, independence culture. But I, I would make the argument we're actually shifting to kind of a shame and honor-based culture um, with the amount of, like, just canceling people get on social media and just, like, this whole, like, you know, throwing, uh, you, know, uh, you know, blasting other people or, like, trying to have them be exactly politically, cor- politically correct. I saw this meme as I was preparing that I thought was a little bit uh, funny. <laughs> Everything is canceled. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I just feel like that is the tone and tenor of our culture. And, uh, and so when we see Jesus being rejected, I think he has some things to speak about to us. So I was thinking about the theme of rejection in my life and uh, just trying to think through uh, different areas that I got rejected. And of course, you kind of had the standard coming of age stories. There was my first girlfriend, not Kelsey, uh, you know, dumping me breaking my heart at the age of 15. Uh, there was that, um, that summer that I was, uh, tried all summer to, uh, I was shooting hoops in my, uh, in my driveway, tr- wanting to make the seventh grade basketball team. And I went out for tryouts and it turns out that this white boy doesn't have ups. I can't, <laughs> did not make it. So um, I tried for something else, and then I, I, I became a theater kid. Of course, Daisy's not here. But, um, but I had some good success in my early high school. I got a leading role as a freshman. And then uh, senior year was coming, and the, the show was Beauty and the Beast. And I went out for, um, which, what's the, the, lum, lum, uh, the, the candle? Luminaire. I thought that would be a fun role for my senior year. And I got called back. Jesse's laughing. I, I got called back for the beast. I was one-on-one with my friend. Uh, his name is Product Dash. And we went, 
for the beast role and uh man, i got excited about it i studied you know and then that the the morning of the cast was revealed you know they posted it on the door of the theater and so you get to school early and you an- anxiously go up to the door and i looked up all right the beast product dash not tim all right L- lumineer is that the same yeah not me and i kind of scanned down didn't make the cast got rejected uh, <laughs> I remember uh, my, one of my jobs in college. I was at Laser Chase, Laser Tag. I got really, really good at Laser Tag. You did not want to play me. And I uh, walked, was in college, walked into my boss's office. His name was Anthony. I said, Anthony, I think I'm really good employee. I need to make more money. He's like, here is what, um, you know, if I can't make a little bit more money, I'm going to have to get another job. And he said, well, good luck on your job search, Tim. And I left and I got fired from laser tag. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> rejection. Uh, none of those really, I mean, I think I'll, some of those are just growing pains, right? But they make a, they leave a mark on you. Um, but I'm sure you all have your own story of rejection. But some stories hit closer to home, don't they? Um, I think some of you know Kelsey and I's story. Uh, before we were here, we were in Nashville, and we were trying to help start a church plant, a church location of a larger church in our family churches in the suburbs. We were trying to be in the city planting, and we had a good long run. We did it for about seven, eight years and had a good core group, but we could never just get over that hump of like sustainability. I mean, we got up to 40, 50 some points, but then down, and people would leave, you know, uh, like move away cities and different things. I mean, we baptized lots of people. We had like lots of people. We introduced the spirit, and then they would just go get a job in another town or something. It was just, we just couldn't find traction, and we were doing it. We were working hard, but we, like it was exciting. But we were we were we were going for it. But we just never like get into that next gear of sustainability. And then kind of like towards the end of it, after we've just been doing it a while, and the team was just like kind of exhausted, all for their own reasons, and don't blame them or anything, but we had this, we had, we went through this really trying season where actually these, these families that I'm about to talk to, they didn't know this was going on, like as they were making the decision, but we actually went through a miscarriage in the midst of it with our, our second child. And, uh, that exact same week, four of the key couples, like half of the church, like let us know that they just weren't up for it. We're going to have to leave. Um, and it was like, man, we poured our heart into this thing and we were walking life and we were really feeling like we were doing church as a family. And like when we were at, it felt like our, our moment of most need. It was like to have what felt like our closest friends like walk out on us. Um, rejection, right? I mean, even last <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was back in Nashville um, and I was walking around the old church we used to meet in, this beautiful old Victoria. And I was just overcome with like, God did a lot of cool things there, and I shot a little video of, like, just remembering, like, what God did there, and I sent it to some of the friends that were there to the end, and I, we weren't perfect leaders. We screwed a lot of things up, and we, you know, but we, we tried our best. Like, I, I do feel like we, we did try, like, we wanted to, like, you know, um, really honor Jesus, and I sent a, sent a video message to, like, six of the closest people there, and, like, only one person of the six responded to this really like heartfelt video message and it was just like man like just feeling of rejection and it it feels worse right when it's like close to home like the closer you get to someone and I know just looking around I mean I know there's stories of daddy issues and family like I know this rejection theme probably really strikes a nerve on a lot of people and so I don't want to pretend that you know, I'm going to have all the answers or we're going to get through this. And I, I just want to be sensitive when you talk about this. Um, it's not just getting fired from laser tag, right? Like this, this thing is actually pretty, can pretty deep, uh, be pretty deep. But I think this story will help us think through um, how do we deal with the story of rejection? And I'll try to go through these pretty quick, just some principles, because the story is so deep. And they're actually, the two stories are actually connected under this umbrella of rejection, I believe. And so um, as we look into it, I think three basic points. We see Jesus getting rejected here by his hometown. 
the, re- the reality of his rejection, the ramifications of his rejection, and the response of, to the rejection. Do you like the R's there, by the way? Mm-hmm. Yes. Get some extra points for that, hopefully. Um, and I think at the end, well, this theme, I joked about it, is pretty heavy and sad and <laughs> depressing. There's a gem here, and we've already touched on it a little bit. It was brought out um, by one of you. Um, but there's a gym here, the flip side of rejection, or the, what we can see from this story, which is actually is insanely encouraging. So stick around for that. Um, all right. So the reality, basically, Jesus was re- rejected. The ramifications, I'm just going to give you kind of the main points. Reality, Jesus was rejected. Ramifications, you will be too. Response, it's going to be okay. So that's where we're going. Um, so the reality, reality of Jesus, he was rejectable. He got canceled, right? He got ghosted. And I think, um, I think we have this opinion of Jesus, like he is like Mr. Rogers, right? Like he's, he's like this nice guy that everyone goes around, everyone likes him. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Someone put a, one of our kids put a plastic coin. That's rattling. Uh, it's not demon-possessed. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, um, but we think about Jesus as being like this Mr. Rogers character you know he's nice everyone loves Mr. Rogers he's just nice he teaches these like great moral universally accepted principles but you know what who wanted to kill Mr. Rogers no one wanted to kill Mr. Rogers right (laughs) like and yet we see with Jesus yes Billy bring the food lavishly feast that's great but we see, um, <laughs> we see uh, with Jesus, actually, even if you don't like, believe the Bible, like even if you want to throw that out the window, I don't recommend that, by the way, but like historically, factually, like two things we know happened with Jesus just by history. A, he was killed at the hands of the Roman government, right? Like that's referenced outside of Scripture. And then two, we know he, by the Jews a certain segment of them, he was worshipped as God. And if you think about all, uh, you know, in that time, and if you think about all of the, like, people groups and religions and things, the, the, the people group or the culturally, the ones who culturally would be most least likely, most least likely, who'd be least likely to worship a human as God would be the Jews. Like, they, of all people, like the Romans and the Greeks all kind of had that built in. The Jews, that was completely, like, it would be the least likely people to actually worship him as God. So even if you look at that, you think Jesus demanded a response, right? Like he wasn't, you couldn't just think, oh, he was a nice guy. Like, and so you see throughout scripture, like actually on the list of options was rejection. Like people worshiped him, they rejected him, they ran away in fear. That's basically what you see in scripture. And I love this too. Here we see Jesus being rejected by the people who are most close to him. Nazareth, we know, was not a big city. It was a small country town, basically. And, uh, but earlier, right, we saw Jesus get rejected by the elites. We, he, he got rejected by the Pharisees. He got rejected by the, the scribes. Um, he got rejected by the Herodians, right? Uh, not the Herodians. Um, yeah, the Herodians. Uh, so like, which were actually like enemies of each other, like basically the left and the right of the political spectrum rejected him. So he's rejected by everyone. Now he goes to a small little you know, country and he's rejected by them too. The, highs, the, high, the people in the high places, the low places. Later on, he's going to get rejected by the Roman government. It's going to be crucified, right? Um, and so like he's universally rejected. Uh, he actually cross-culturally is rejected too. Here he's rejected by the Jews. Later, we'll see he's rejected. My Mark is writing to, um, you know, a, a, a Greek audience, right? And so, a Roman audience. And so, you know, he's rejected by all sorts of different people. And I think that is actually really important um, because sometimes when we come to Jesus, we have objections to what he says. We talked about how obviously he said something that caused offense, caused a scandal. And these people... We're like, we know Jesus. He's familiar. He's ordinary. We, we know him. And yet, he said something that struck a nerve. And I think as we get to know Jesus, as we go on this journey with him, he's going to say something to us. There's going to be something that offends us about him. 
that tempts us to reject him. But I think what's really important, and I stole this point from Tim Keller, is that even on an intellectual basis, um, our objections to Jesus are actually probably very different to other cultures' objections to Jesus. We may not want to follow Jesus because of his teachings on like the sexual ethic or something like that. Like that may be offensive in our day, but to other cultures, like that's actually standard and like that's really attractive. But the idea that Jesus would just hand out salvation to people who don't earn it or who don't deserve it or like the thief on the cross, like 30 seconds before he died, <laughs> could ask for repentance. And Jesus you know, said, you'll see me in paradise. Like, that's offensive. And so I think it, I think it takes a little bit of cultural humility. Uh, I mean, if we were to say, I like Jesus, I like all the Mr. Rogers parts, I like all the nice parts, but this thing he said really offends me, I think we need to have some cultural humility because how dare we demand that Jesus kind of um, morphs to meet our cultural sensibilities and not even consider others. But one of the things about Christianity, almost even more than other religions, is, is that it, you know, it, it's, it's a global religion. There's no one culture that can claim Jesus. It's growing most in Africa and Latin America and China right now, not, not in the West. Um, but every culture, there are aspects that Jesus offends. In every culture, there are aspects that Jesus embraces. And so I guess the encouragement um, is... Uh, you know, if actually Jesus is asking you um, to do something, or you feel like you want to plug in, but oh, it's hard. Like, you know, the, the way that you know that you're actually worshiping the real Jesus and following the real Jesus is actually, is there something that he's, he's asking you to do, or is there something he's asking you to believe that you may not want to follow? Um, and and that will show you you're not just you know asking, you're following Jesus of your own making. But I think also it, um, it shows us that Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. So when we get rejected, either from following Jesus or for whatever, like we have, we serve a king that we, we know, he, he knows what it's like. So I think the invitations here and the reality of Jesus' re- rejection, Jesus knows what it's like. Like if you're walking through that, Jesus knows Jesus has walked through it too. And then two, like if we find the Christian faith a little challenging, that's actually be encouraged. Like that means like we're actually following the real Jesus and he's actually getting closer to home. I think this passage also shows us maybe the more familiar with Jesus we get, the closer we get to him, actually the more uncomfortable he might make us because he's like coming at home and he's actually then uncovering some of the, he's challenging some of the assumptions that we have. He's, He's asking us to do more and more things to follow him. Uh, so first, reality of Jesus' rejection, he was rejectable. But second, the ramifications of Jesus' rejection. I think it's interesting where this story is placed in the whole narrative. So we talked about, um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about we will face opposition from the demonic world. We see that with the, with the pigs and the legion. Um, right now, we see Jesus himself get rejected by his own family and the people that know them best. Then the next story that we're going to listen to is actually about John the Baptist getting beheaded. He got rejected. And in the middle of this, we didn't really talk about it much, but the second story, Jesus gathers his disciples and says, all right, we're going to go on a little mission trip. Good luck. And he sends them out. You're going to face opposition from the spiritual world. You're going to face opposition and rejection from the people you want the most. Hey, and John the Baptist is going to get beheaded, but good luck. Go out. (laughs) And I think one of the ramifications is, like, actually, we're probably going to face rejection on this path as we follow Jesus, as we live this life, as we get sent by him. Like, actually... It might be hard. Um, I there was a there's a um, mentor that I had in my life who uh, told me once. It's like sometimes we act as if like we get we're in a boxing match. Like we can get all dressed up, we get our boxing gloves ready, we get in the ring, and then like 
we're ready to go, and we, you know, we're all, and then we get hit. We're like, what? He he hit me. Like, what? Why did he hit me? Like, what happened? And we don't realize that like we're actually in in a game. We're in a match. Like we're like that's part of like what God has called us to, right? Like we're in this. It's, it's what Tom was talking about. Like, if we don't have a, a paradigm shift, we don't have a paradigm for evil, like a, a, a construct for the reality of evil, we're going to be surprised when it hits us. If we don't have a, a paradigm that actually Jesus' message is offensive, to some, it can be. It's also radically inclusive and accepting but, and grace-filled, but to some people it's offensive, right? And if we don't have that in our framework, like, we're going to go and we're going to, like, try to contort ourselves to make the gospel hundred percent you know um we're gonna water it down and a hundred percent like uh just acceptable to people and um and not offensive and actually that's not what we see like we actually see in this world like some people don't like it now don't get me wrong like i think we do everything in our power to like help make it attractive love people i mean our vision statement is loving well one person at a time we know People have been so, like Christians have been so, so clumsy and really foolish and really like, you know, there's been a lot of hurt that hasn't, you know, going around that hasn't been good. It should be avoidable and, and, you know, it's not defensible in the least. But I do want to say, like, we can do everything right. Like, we can love so well. And Jesus still got rejected, right? Um, He says in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Um... Yeah, and so, and I think it's interesting. How do you, as you looked through, um, what do you, what is Jesus's reaction to this rejection in both stories? What do you see if you go back to that passage? Yeah, yeah. From his hometown, anyways. Like, yeah. Okay, if you don't want me here, let's sort Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. I mean, if I went somewhere and I was trying to, like, make a splash, I was on a big mission trip, or I was on a big, I had a big mission, and, like, people, it wasn't working. Like, my reaction would be, all right, up the ante a little bit. You know, like, I'd, like, try to make it happen. But Jesus is like, yeah, all right, I won't do any miracles then, fine. <laughs> he's not bothering me. It's crazy. Um, and, then, and then notice on the second story, too, when he goes out, when he sends the disciples out two by two, he actually says, he prepares them. He, said, he says, you know, in verse 11, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, like, hence, you'll be rejected. What does he say? Leave that place. Yeah, leave it. Shake the dust off. Fascinating. So actually, the responsibility is not on the deliverer. It's not on us. The responsibility is on the people receiving the message. I think that's a fascinating twist because that's not how I operate at all. Like if I share the gospel, if I like try to love someone and it's not accepted well, or if I try to do my best to like really in my heart of heart serve well, and I might do it clumsily, you know, if I try to try to help this church plant well and, you know, but like I can so easily like take it personally and like what did I do wrong? What did I? And there is a little bit of you know like we, we don't do things perfectly. But ultimately, like our job is just to scatter the seed, right? Um, to share and like so we could like go around and like share the gospel to every single person in Portola <laughs> this afternoon, and if no one comes to the, you know accepts the message, like that's not that's not on us, right? Um, and so there is this like real sense of like. Um, we are going to, like, we, we will be rejected. But, like, actually, it's not, it's not really on us. Um, I love the sense, um, well, I'll skip that, actually. The third point, response. How, we kind of, I just talked about this. The response of Jesus to rejection. It doesn't crush him. It says he's amazed. Not at evil. Not at, you know, the people are sick or whatever. It says he's amazed at their stubbornness. Someone brought that up early, which is a fascinating response. He's just like, the lack of faith amazes him. He's not amazed that people actually, the few people who believed him and he like gave miracles, like he did miracles with. He's actually respo- amazed at the other. And I just think, I do not have that paradigm shift at all. Like I'm not amazed that people aren't like 
crowding our doors, you know? Like, I'm like, when one person comes in, I'm like, yes, it's amazing! Um, but actually, it's just, it's actually the opposite with Jesus. He's got such a strong something that allows him to just have this, like, steadiness and this, and, like, internal ballast and, like, this anchor that kind of roots him in, in the confidence. Question for this group, what do you think that is? How do you, where do you think he gets that? Yes. And I, think, I think the whole, I guess, the way he always says, I just do what the Father tells me to do, I do what the Father tells me to do, what he's doing, like, there's that partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, although it's kind of hard, isn't it, because we know he did experience pain, and mm-hmm. like Judas rejecting him, like, we know there was... Mm-hmm. He's human, but, but yeah, he's very like secure in who he is and mm-hmm. purpose. Yeah. I think, I think he knows his love. Ooh, yeah. And I think that makes him um, just vulnerable to rejection. exactly it I mean it's so hard to like live into this right I mean it's very challenging to think like how do you respond to adversity and your rejection like with a sense where it doesn't crush you where you feel it we're all human but yet like but I think do you think that is I mean before Jesus started anything in ministry what happened the father said this is my son whom I'm well pleased it's identity and love is what, what you were saying um, acceptance. And I want you to think about this even. This isn't even the low point for Jesus. He's rejected by his earthly family. He's rejected by his, by his, the people who know him the most. But later, he's going to get rejected by his own father, like a spiritual father on the cross. What does he cry? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you rejected me, Jesus? And Hebrews tells us, I mean, that's the ultimate rejection. And Hebrews tells us why. In Hebrews 12, too, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And it's like, actually, the answer, like, he was willing to endure all that rejection. Why? For us. Like, he came for us. And I mean, I think that, if we can get that in, like, in our souls, I mean, I know it's so hard, but if we can get that, like, sink it down into our hearts, like, man, Jesus was willing to endure all of that just because we were the prize. We were his joy that's set before him to gather us to himself. Man, that gives us some power, I think, to, like, see the next day through. Um, How do we do that? How do we cultivate a friendship with Jesus that's stronger than human Rejection. I think um, I think you hit on it earlier. Kind of the gem hidden in here when it talks about like he just decided um, in verse where was it? Uh, he could not do miracles there. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Um, the opposite is also true. You hit on it. It's like actually the two stories we saw before was like a little bit of faith. Jesus was so eager to heal. Jesus was so eager. Who? My power went out of me. Who touched me? Like, I'll go to your house. Like, even when he said, don't worry, you can stop. She's dead now. He's like, no, I'm going to go. She's, she's just sleeping. Like, we see time and time again. Actually, Jesus is so eager to heal. 
except <laughs> when people don't want him. And so I came across this quote from John Tyson. God comes where he is wanted. And I think that's the hidden invitation in here. God comes where he's wanted. If you think about it in the Old Testament, time and time again you hear God say, like he heard the cries of the oppressed. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you will seek me with your whole heart. James 4, 8, God, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's a promise. In Acts 17, 27, it says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. He's like, here. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. Lamentations three twenty five. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Jesus' own words, Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Here I am, he says in Revelations 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. I think that's amazing. God comes where he's wanted. We started, I started off saying, like, I think we're moving into a culture of shame. I think the kingdom of God is a culture of honor. Like where we honor Jesus, where we lift him up high, he wants to be in that place. And uh, I just think that's an encouragement for us. Like, how are we going to get that strength that will allow us to survive even rejection? Like, lift up Jesus high and he will be near. He will be close to us. Um, One last quote, and then we'll move into communion. Um, This is from uh, James Edwards. Humanity wants a spectacular sign or God, or like the devil, a great display of power, but it does not want God to become a human being like one of us. The people of Nazareth see only a carpenter, only a son of Mary, only another one of the village children who has grown up and returned for a visit. If only God were less ordinary and more unique, then we would believe. The servant image of the Son is too prosaic to garner credibility. God has identified too closely with the world for the world to behold him, too closely with the town of Nazareth for it to recognize in Jesus the Son of God. Humanity wants something other than what God gives. And, it says that, and then he says this, The greatest obstacle to faith is not the failure of God to act, but the unwillingness of the human heart to accept the God who condescends to us in only a carpenter, the son of Mary. What a statement. The greatest obstacle to faith is not the failure of God to act, but the unwillingness of the human heart to accept the God who condescends to us in only a carpenter, the son of Mary. How ordinary is Jesus sometimes. In our day-to-day work, (laughs) in our day-to-day lives, he's there. He wants to break in. Final thing as we break into communion. um, I think the invitation there, the challenge actually is, do we actually want him? (laughs) Do we actually seek him? Or is there a little bit of us that are like people of Nazareth? We want him to do some amazing stuff. (laughs) <laughs> but the moment he is offensive, the moment he asks us to do something that makes us uncomfortable, back away, Jesus. Just be ordinary. Just be normal. Just be who we thought you were. But I think there's something in here, actually, we didn't hit on. Um, and it's the fact that he's called the son of Mary. I want to end here. Uh, we didn't hit on this before. But remember, this is a patriarchal society. There's more to that phrase, the son of Mary. He should be called the son of Joseph. He's called a carpenter. In, in the Greek world, which Mark was writing to, it's the only, of these, the only gospel that in this passage refers to him as a carpenter. In the Greek world, carpentry wasn't looked well favorably on. It's just like you're just a low person. But isn't this Mary's son? What is he saying there? There's actually more behind that. There's actually insinuation. Oh, who's your real father? Mm -hmm. You were born out of wedlock. 
this is just Mary's son. I mean, basically, they're saying, you're just a bastard child. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's saying. No way this person can be God. I think it's fascinating here. Think about that. Think about the shame that Jesus endured. And, and he didn't respond. We talked about that. He didn't, he didn't defend himself. He didn't. How unfair of Jesus to take on that shame, to take on that accusation, to take on that scorn when it wasn't really his. It, he didn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't true and that wasn't his. And yet, isn't that what Jesus came to do? On the cross, he did come to take on our scorn, scorn or take on our shame, to take on our sin. And he did it. That's what he came. He did it for the joy set before him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I think when you get that, that Jesus came for us, that he loves us, he accepted us, and he wants to do miracles. He's standing there knocking. He's waiting for us. He comes where he's wanted. I think when we get that, we realize, man, there's something else that gives us strength to move on. So with that, um, I'll pray for us, and then Josie can lead us in communion. But I would love to keep, have us have that thought in our head as we receive communion, that this Mary's son, this carpenter, this little one, actually came, and he took on all of that for us so that we might have life. Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you did endure rejection for us. You did come. You knew that that wasn't front of you and yet you came anyway because you loved us father and that itself when we when we take that in it gives us the power to endure our own rejections no matter where it comes from but it also gives us just great joy knowing that if God is for us who can be against us if you've done this for us if you're with us Jesus we can endure anything and thank you Jesus that you're right here waiting to break in and I just pray that you lift our faith uh, for you Jesus we lift you lift our eyes You'd, you'd have us be amazed when people don't respond to you <laughs> and not amazed when people do, Father. I just pray that for this group, that we would, um, yeah, that we would take this in, Father, and, uh, and, and that you'd, you'd use this to change, you'd use this message um, to change us, Father. Just pray for anyone here who is specifically, <laughs> just has wounds of rejection. I just pray, God, even as we're talking, even as we're praying, even as we're receiving communion, that the message that you are loved, that they are loved, that you love them, would seek deep, Father, that you will never abandon, that everything that goes wrong you'll use for our good, Father, and that you will right every wrong. I just pray, Father, that that message seeks in. I just pray your healing would begin now, Father. And, uh, yeah, that there is someone whose love is not dependent on circumstances. Um, In fact, even knowing rejection was coming, you came after us, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this message. It's so good. We love you. Amen.